the second chapter and starting, just going to read the ninth verse, might read the tenth, don't know. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Uh, all right, I'm going to start with page one on our notes. Uh, there's been many times, especially here lately, that I've read this scripture. Uh, and after reading it, I would petition the Lord for a clarity and an understanding as to what all these phrases are referring to. And when are we going to see this manifestation of what Peter spoke here? This definitely hasn't happened yet, and we know that it's not going to happen in heaven. So when and where will all these things be fulfilled? The Lord has been speaking this for thousands of years, and I believe the coming forward and manifestation of these scriptures are at the door. Uh, if you go to Exodus 19, if you want to go there, you just want to read it off the notes. That's fine, too, but I'm going to go over here in the Word. To Exodus 19, which if y'all don't know where Exodus is, it's the second book of the Bible. And I'm going to go, I got verse 4 marked, so let's just start with verse 4 in Exodus 19. Are y'all with me? You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you in unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my commandments or my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure. You know, in Peter's reading, he said you'll be a peculiar people. Unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. And he talked about a royal priesthood and an holy nation. Peter said a holy nation. And these are the words which I shall speak unto the children of Israel. Now, I'm going back to 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. And this is what Peter said, but ye are a chosen generation. Now, the word generation... Uh, the definition of it, I wrote it down. Let me see if I can find it. But anyway, it means, uh, it's got two different meanings. And it can mean a, a period of time. Webster's describes it as 30 to 40 years. All right, it's on page 3 in my notes, about the bottom of the first paragraph. And this is out of the Old Testament, Strong's Concordance, uh, number 1755, generation. Uh, means a revolution of time or an age or a generation, also dwelling. Uh, the definition from Webster's Dictionary is the entire body of individuals born or, born or living in the same time 
and the term of years roughly around 30 among humans. A generation, I've always, is between 30 and 40 years. But it can also be a period of time. You know, uh, just the time frame itself don't have to have nothing to do with the people. Okay, so uh, Peter says here, you're a chosen generation. Okay, now is he talking about a period of time? Or is he talking about a people? Or is he talking about both? Then he goes on and says, a royal priesthood. You know, the Lord's told us in his word, and I don't have the exact scriptures, but he said that we were going to be kings and priests. And he said in the millennium, that we was going to reign with him as kings and priests for a thousand years. So, we know that this royal priesthood hadn't come forth yet. This holy nation hadn't come forth yet. Because he spoke over there in Exodus and he said, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. So, the kingdom of heaven is coming forth. And we, the Lord has told us, if you go back and read Hebrews... He told Jesus, he said, you're chosen forever to be made in the similitude or the likeness of Melchizedek. Well, Melchizedek was the high priest. Back in Abraham's day, he was the high priest. So Jesus came forth. He didn't come forth in the order of Aaron. In the word of God, there's only two priestly orders. There's the order of Aaron and there's the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus came forth made in the likeness of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, the Bible says in Hebrews, was the king of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. So he came, made forth in that likeness, and, and the Lord told him, he said, forever. You're going to be made in that order of Melchizedek. You ain't going to be made after the law of carnal commandments. So we're going to be made after that similitude and likeness of Jesus or Melchizedek. So we're going to be a kingdom of priests. We're going to walk in that priesthood. You know, it's been probably a year or so ago I was just meditating. And, you know, you go back to the Old Testament. Uh, the first knowledge we had of offering or sacrifices was Cain and Abel when they made the sacrifice. Okay. Now, they made the sacrifice. Then you come on down a few years later. Noah made sacrifices unto the Lord when they came out of the ark. Then Abraham was always making sacrifices. Okay, who was receiving their sacrifice? I just got thinking about that one morning. I come out and uh, my wife sat down on deck reading her Bible, and I come out and sat down beside her. I said, I had a thought. I said, who was receiving all the sacrifice? If you're going to sacrifice, you got to have a high priest. Melchizedek. He was the high priest that was receiving all the sacrifices from the beginning of time right on down till Abram was chosen under the law. Melchizedek, all them blood sacrifices was coming up. Melchizedek was that high priest accepting them in the favor of God to, to take them to the Lord. What sense in sacrificing if nobody's going to receive your sacrifice? The Lord ain't going to, the Lord himself, the Almighty God, wasn't going to receive your sacrifice. He had to have a high priest. 
So that high priest was Melchizedek. And that's the reason when Abraham went to the slaughter and killed all them kings, and he come back, Melchizedek uh, met him, carried him bread and cheese, and I think he said wine. And Abraham offered the tithe of that spoil off that battle. He offered it to Melchizedek. Tithe is not under the law. Tithe is before the law. Because Abraham offered up tithe into Melchizedek. And Melchizedek accepted it as an offering to the Lord. Because Abraham, he said, he gave, he gave the kings that went to battle with him, he gave them all the spoils. All the riches that come off them battles and when they stripped all them kings down. He said, I don't want nothing but the tithe. That's all he wanted. Abraham was already a rich man. He went to battle with his own personal army of 318 men. He was already a rich man. So he went to battle. They defeated him. He, he spoiled the, they spoiled the armies. He gave it all to those kings there in Genesis. But all he took was the tithe and he offered it to the Lord. That's where tithe, you go back and read it and, and it talks about, uh, tithe being paid in the Levitical priesthood. But it says, Levi paid tithe while he's still in the loins of Abraham. So that's where tithing come from. That's where it really started. But you go back and you read about Jacob. Jacob made God a promise. When he is on his way to take him a wife out of his mother's brother and, you know, kinfolks, he laid down on that rock. The angel of the Lord come down up and down that ladder. Y'all remember hearing about Jacob's ladder? After that, Abraham woke up and he said, Lord, if you'll be with me. He said, I'll give you a tenth of everything that you put in my hand. Because he had nothing. But yet when he returned to face Esau, he had flocks, goats, sheep, silver, gold. Because he had kept that obedience and that tithe unto the Lord. And God had blessed him. But that's why that was the covenant he made to the Lord. He said, Lord, if you that wasn't under the law. What? Is it hit? Okay. That wasn't under the law. Well, people say, well, tithe, no, tithe ain't under the law. Giving to God ought to be something, that's part of your worship. That's part of your worship. When you, when you give to the Lord, you're worshiping God for His goodness, for His mercy, for how He's been good to you. And tithing doesn't just reap you financial reward. It can bring salvation. It can bring health. It can bring blessings. It can bring favor. It can bring the goodness of God on your life. Because God's just not going to give you back. That, that's this old prosperity ministry. Well, you send me $500, God's going to give you 10000 That's a bunch of hogwash. <coughs> Ain't the way it works, giving to God. <coughs> will God bless you with financial favor? Yes, he will. But he also bless you with health. The very two things, well, one of the very things in Malachi 3. Let me find it. Which when Malachi spoke this, he was speaking of the new covenant. Because he'd started out prophesying of the new covenant. I think somebody took Malachi out of my Bible. There it is. Malachi 3. All right, let's just start at verse 1. Let's see what Malachi's talking about. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, saith the Lord, whom you seek. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant to whom you delight in. Behold, 
He shall come, saith the Lord. All right. That's talking about the Spirit of God coming into us. That's talking about the Holy Ghost coming to his temple. Y'all following with me? All right. Malachi is the last book of the Bible, uh, the Old Testament, right before Matthew, if y'all. Because he said, even the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. That's twofold prophecy. That's prophesied about the new covenant coming. But at that time, we were, we didn't know we were the temple of God. So this is for then, but it's also for now. But Malachi is prophesying about the new covenant, and he goes on down in verse 6, and he said, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Verse 7, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But she said, Wherein shall we return? Yeah. And now it's going to be in verse 8. Yeah. And the Lord spoke back to him, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And he said, In tithes and offerings. Y'all following with me? Yeah. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. See, uh, it was very important, or God wouldn't have put it in here. He said, You've gone away from my ordinances. And now, because... All these things are going wrong, all this sickness and disease. There's never been a day when so much sickness and disease and trouble have been on the children of God. I've never seen a time in my 66 years, and I'm 66 today, I've never seen a time in my 66 years that there's so much trouble and heartache and sickness and disease among God's people. You expect it in the world, but you don't expect it among God's people. I mean, I grew up, people didn't have all the sickness and disease going church serving God. They didn't have it. You had sickness, you had trouble, but you always had the presence of the Lord there to heal. But look what God said. He said, because of all this, he said, and you've robbed me? He said, it's put a curse on you. But look what he turned around and said in verse 10. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. That's talking about the word of God. And I will prove and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour ye out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer. See, part of being obedient to God and giving to God is rebuking the devourer. When you come off that four-wheeler and flew through the air and hit the ground and come up and you lay there unconscious 15 minutes, the Lord rebuked the devourer. Why? Obedience. Obedience, he rebuked the devourer. He had your wife standing right there when your grandson flew through the air. She caught your grandson. It, I, I mean, things, just what we said, things can change in a heartbeat. Things can change. If it hadn't been for your obedience, you're walking up right before God. I could have been preaching your funeral. Because I know when the Spirit, when Sister Deborah called me, the Spirit of the Lord come on me and I start commanding God to give you a creative miracle. He flew off a four-wheeler, hit his face on the ground. And laid unconscious for, what, 10, 15 minutes? And she called me, and I, we started praying, and the Lord started speaking. A creative miracle. A creative, there ain't no telling what God is. But see, here's what the Lord's saying. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall the vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed. For you shall be a delightsome land in the Lord of hosts. Well, when the Lord's talking about uh, 
rebuking the devourer and not destroying the fruit of your ground. He's talking about your seed, your natural seed. He's going to smile on you. He's going to bless you with kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and favor and finances. And You know, when Jesus grew and waxed strong in the Spirit, the Bible said the Lord gave him favor with God and man. Gave him favor. So when you keep God's Word and you're faithful and you walk up right before the Lord, there's one thing I found out. If you're faithful, God's faithful. But you gotta be faithful. You gotta be faithful. So, it has to be important or God wouldn't have put it right there. He said, go back to the ordinances. And he said, quit robbing me. It's gotta be very important. And, and Jesus himself said in Luke 6, 36, I believe it is, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down and shaken together, running over good measure. Shall men give to your bosom. In Psalms, he told them, or Proverbs, he said, honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruit of all thy increase. He said, then shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall break out with new wine. So it is important. If it hadn't been important, it wouldn't be listed in the scripture. And it's very important because you look at all the great men of God that gave to God. When David thought he was going to build God a house, he started laying back stuff in abundance. But when he, when God told him he couldn't do it because he'd shed blood, been a man of war, he gave, all, he already had all the material, the gold, the silver, the everything to build the house of God laid back and he gave it as an offering unto Solomon for Solomon to build the temple. Yeah. God is good to us. Yes, he is. But he said, if you obey my voice and keep my commandments, he said, I'll take all sickness and disease out of the midst of you. I'll bless you bread. I'll bless you water. Come into my, this is the storehouse. This, come into my storehouse. Bring your tithe. Bring what I've blessed you with. I tell people, I don't care if God gives you a bushel of apples. You better share that bushel of apples with the ministry. You better bring me a half peck of apples. <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. Huh? I know. <laughs> I was preaching a tent meeting one time and I was down in South Georgia and it was just past harvest. You know, harvest is usually, you put on the garden, usually comes right about 4th of July. Yeah. Just work yourself to death. And it was probably first part of August and I told them people, I said, every one of you, how many of you out here can? Boy, the hand, because it's country town, all the hands went up. I said, any of you tithe off that cannon? Everybody's head dropped down. I said, did you not know? That you're supposed to tithe off your cannon if you grow a garden and you reap and God's blessed you. You put up a hundred quarts of beans, ten of them belong to God. And I just started going down like that. One lady come up to me, she said, Brother Metter, she said, I will go through my pantry. And she said, I will bring you the tithe of what God's blessed me with. And I had a lady, you remember that lady in Dothan? You remember that lady in Dothan that, uh, back right when we got the new truck in 85, uh-huh. that lady in Dothan came to our camper and brought that stuff. She said that people had blessed her yeah. and they were down to nothing. And she took and she brought canned goods. Mm-hmm. 
everything she had, the Lord told her to go through her pantry and take a tithe of everything she had. We got a letter from her a month later. She said for three solid weeks, she said people come by her camper or her house and brought her fresh produce out of their gardens. She said she had it laying in the floor of her kitchen up to her knees in some for three weeks canning and putting stuff up. She said they canned up enough stuff to last them three or four years. And she said, Lord spoke to her, said, this is because you are obedient. And I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a lot of canned goods. You know, probably a couple of cardboard boxes that she brought to us, but she wanted to help us, and that's all she had. But she gave that. So, you're faithful to God. God's faithful. He's faithful. Amen. And I didn't really mean to get sidetracked off of that. I don't even know where I was now. But anyway, let's go to page one, and it's probably about three-quarters of the way down uh, in in the first paragraph. But anyway, on Monday, last Monday, the 19th, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I was out here. She had to go back and get the grandkids Sunday after service. But I was out here. I was praying. I sat in front of the computer studying because the Lord had brought some scriptures to me last week here in the Bible study, and I'm going to get to those in a minute, but the Lord had brought some scriptures to me, and I had searched them out, but I was sitting out here, and all these scriptures started just coming through my spirit, and the scriptures the Lord brought back to me last week was from 1981. The Lord opened my understanding on something in 1981, and I'm fixing to get into it, but it was just like all these scriptures come together and the Lord spoke into my spirit and he said, the chosen generation, he said, it's not just a people. He said, it's also a time. He said, so it's both. He said, it's a chosen people and a seed for that time. He said, but it's also a chosen time that I'll visit my people. So, so it's both. But anyway, you go down the last paragraph there on page one. And this was Sunday while I was teaching, last Sunday. Uh, in 1981, I was in Scottsboro, Alabama. I was in a tent meeting. And back then, I used to pray in sackcloth a lot. So it was after the tent, after the service, I was laying in the floor of my trailer in sackcloth, and I was crying out to God. And the Lord spoke these scriptures to me in Joel, the second chapter. And I'm just going to read them out of here. Uh, verse 21 and 22. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Okay, when something yields its strength, it gives everything it's got. So the fig tree and the vine, Joel prophesied, was going to yield their strength. Well, when the Lord spoke that to me, he took me into Matthew 24, and this is 32 through 36. Now, learn a parable of the fig tree. See, God spoke to Joel about the fig tree, but here he's speaking. Jesus himself is speaking. said, learn a parable of the fig tree when the branch is yet tender and put it four leaves. Know ye that summer is nigh, or that you've entered into another season. Because for the fig tree to put on leaves and begin to... You know, bud, it's got to go into another season. So that's what the Lord was saying, or that summer is nigh. So likewise, you, when you see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. And he said, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass. 
Jesus was not talking about his generation. He was talking about the generation there in Matthew 24 where he prophesied all these judgments and all these signs that in the last days is going to happen. And he said, this is the generation that won't pass till all these things be fulfilled. So he wasn't talking about his day. He's talking about our day. So he said, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That'll lose you. Okay. These scriptures in Joel and the ones here in Matthew are talking about the same thing, and that's the restitution of all things. Compared to Mark thirteen twenty-eight through 30, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When the branch is yet tender and put afford leaves, you know that summer is near. So you in like manner, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the door. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass all the things to be done. All three of these patches talk about the fig tree. I was taught the fig tree was a type of the fullness of the gifts and the power of God operating in the ministry. So here Joel was speaking concerning what was to be brought forth, and you need to understand the word of the Lord that was being spoken at this time was to a people that had come through a great famine. And an upheaval, and Joel was speaking of all things being restored and returning to its strength, which is the full potential, which is all it can give. And Jesus said, when you see this happening with the fig tree, or you see the the power and the gifts and the anointed being restored back to the ministry are coming forth. He said to know that a new season is not even at the doors. What's at the door? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it is nigh and at the door. And I had no idea what the Lord was showing me at that time because he didn't start revealing the kingdom to me in 1987. And the Lord spoke this to me. I had no idea what God was talking about. No idea whatsoever. When he told me, he said, when you see this, he said, know that the kingdom is even at the doors. What he's talking about. I thought he was talking about he's fixing to come. You know, get his people. No, he ain't fixing to come. He's fixing to come in here. The kingdom is fixing to be revealed. You don't press your way into heaven. Luke sixteen sixteen says the kingdom of heaven is revealed and every man presses his way into it. You gotta press your way into this mind of Christ. You gotta press your way in to the revealing of Christ living in you. Devil ain't gonna sit back and let you get it. Cause when you step into this, he's, he's done for. I mean, he has no more power. To the believer, Satan has no power anyway. But when you really step into this Christ living in you and this mind of Christ, taking its abode in you, which is where we're at right now, because has everything not died spiritually? Yes. Has everything not died? Are we not in a spiritual famine and a spiritual death? So, and it's been around for several years now. Yes. So, what what did what did Joel prophesy? He said the meat offering, the drink offering, has been cut off from the house of the Lord. It's hard to go anywhere and find a word and a working of the Spirit that really feeds your soul. So, in verse 25 of Joel 2, he said, The Lord will restore unto you the years that the locust, the caterpillar, the cankerworm, the palmer worm. He said, everything's been taken from you. 
He said, I'm going to give it back to you. Joel 2.25. I'll turn over and read it to you. Because it's right below what the Lord showed me in 81. Because that was Joel 2.21 and 22. Maybe I better start using my tabs. All right, Joel 2. Okay. And there's 21 and 22 where he talked about the fig tree coming forth. All right, verse 23. Are you with us? Daniel, Hosea, Joel. Between, between Hosea and Amos. Fellers just got it tucked back and hid this morning. Two. All right, 21, I done read. 22. All right, we're going to go down to 23. Okay. You with us, Brother Adolfo? Yeah. All right. Be glad in ye children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God. Now, I'm going to come back and elaborate on this here in a minute. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, and the cankerworm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Okay? He's telling us he's going to restore everything. Now, go back to verse 23. Y'all staying with me? Because I'm going to give you a good lesson here. All right. Pay attention to what 23 says. Be glad that any children of Zion, or that's the children of the church, or, you know, us, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately. All right, I'm going to stop right there. Will y'all say the former rain was the outpouring of the Pentecost, outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost? Right. Yes. Will y'all say that? Yes. Okay. All right, look what he said. For he hath given. Half given his past tense. That means he had already give the day of Pentecost. So what he's referring to and getting ready to tell us is, is after that. Right. Okay. So everything after this scripture is after the day of Pentecost. Okay, y'all following with me? Yes. All right, so you go on and he talks about my people eating plenty, never being ashamed. Go over to verse 28 of Joel 2. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the headmaids in in those days will I pour out of my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillar of smoke. Okay, y'all see that? Now, if in verse 23, he said he had already given you the former rain moderately, right. then what's verse 28 talking about? Then he's going to have to restore what happened after the day of Pentecost. But moderately would be he gave in a portion, in a measure. Yes, yeah, so. 
So he said, I've already given you the former rain, which is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Paul said, you have received an earnest or a portion of my spirit. That's in First Corinthians, I mean, Second Corinthians 1 and 22. Paul taught that. So if the Holy Ghost had already been given, and he said, but, he said, I give you the former rain moderately, but I'm going to cause to come down for you the rain, the former, and the latter rain in the first month. Well, the first month is April. And I thought for years that the Lord was going to do a great work of God in April. But the Lord spoke to me in 2015, and he said, April is symbolic of a new beginning. He said, so I am going to, in the time of this new beginning, I'm going to pour out the former rain, the rain, and the latter rain, all in this new move of God. So, when you get down to verse 28, and everybody has preached Joel 2 and 28 as the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Not if it would already been given, it can't be. It can't be. Because it already been done. All right, you look at what Joel said in 2.28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Spirit of God ain't been poured out on all flesh. Has it? No. Okay. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Did we see this happen in the book of Acts when the Holy Ghost was poured out? People wouldn't prophesy in the book of Acts. Okay. Your old men shall dream dreams. You didn't see him. You didn't see him prophesied. You didn't see. A, you didn't see any evidence of him uh, having dreams or you young men having visions. And also upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out of my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. We didn't see these things happen at the day of Pentecost. So he's talking about the latter rain that's fixing to come in. He's telling us, former rain's already come. You got it moderately. So now get ready, because I'm not only going to give you the rest of the former rain, I'm going to give you the rain and the latter rain, which is the full resurrected power that Jesus got when he was resurrected and ascended. We fix and get that. We fix and get that. And here's a news flash for you. When Jesus was resurrected, he said, all power in heaven and earth is where? Right here. Yeah, follow with me now. He said, he said, it's now living in me. In other words, he's now God manifest in the flesh. The fullness of God now dwells bodily in him. It now lives in the body of Jesus. Right? So, in John 14 and 12, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that believeth in me, or on me, the works that I do, Shall he do also, and greater works than these shall ye he do or ye do. Why? I go to my father. Everybody's wondered for years how you gonna do greater works than what Jesus has done. Well, when Jesus walked this earth, he ministered. He didn't have the fullness of God. He did not have it. He said there there there's a time. That all this is going to happen? He said, I don't even know when it is. He said, only the Father knows. The fa- right, right. 
But he was a, he was a man. He had a measure of God, and he fought the sin nature just like we did. Couldn't have. He wouldn't have been tempted in all points like as we are. If he had the power to tell the devil to take a hike, what was the purpose of the temptation? What was the purpose of him going through what he went through? If he wasn't made like we are, then in John sixteen thirty three, when he said, In the world you have tribulation, but in me you have peace, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He said he had overcome the world. You go to 1 John 2 and 15, he said, All that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He said, These things are not of the Father. He said, but be of good cheer. I overcame them. He said, I overcame them. If I overcame them, you can overcome them. Amen. I've set the example. Is he your example? Yes. Does the Bible not say he's your example? Yes. Well, if he wasn't made like you and he had a power that you don't have, he couldn't be your example. He had to be made just like you. That's the reason the Bible said he came in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, to condemn or to destroy sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of Jesus Christ might be revealed in us. You have no righteousness if you don't have Christ in you. Your righteousness comes through Jesus Christ dwelling in you. The Bible says in Romans 1 and verse 3, He was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, but declared to be the Son of God, by the spirit of holiness that was in him by the resurrection from the dead. So when he was, you remember when I taught here that Sunday and you said you felt like you'd been hit by my truck? So when he was resurrected and his spirit was born again and he became a quickening spirit and not a living soul, then is when the sin nature no longer has any triumph over him. When we get this change, Sin will not have any power over us. We will not only not sin, we cannot sin because his seed remaineth in us. This is the kingdom. This is what we're fighting for. This is what we're pressing for. And the Lord at this time has said, this is a chosen generation, not just the people, but the time. We are a chosen people. We're a chosen seed, but we're living in a predestined foreordained time. Are y'all following with me? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. You remember February the 4th when y'all come down to the house to have service? We couldn't have it up here back on the 4th of February. The roads were bad. So they could get to the interstate. So they come down to my house in, in Conyers. And I was preparing to minister that morning. It's probably 10, 1030 in the morning. And it's in the notes here somewhere. But I was preparing to minister. She had gone to church with our oldest daughter. Uh, she just started a new church. She wanted to go with her. So she started church with her old and went to church with her. I was there by myself. Well, I was studying because the Lord had spoken to me in January. He said, starting the 1st of February, I want you to encourage everybody to pray every day for our nation, for our president, and for the kings of the earth, according to 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3. Pray for all those that are in power, all the kings, all those that are in authority. Okay? So, I was there, I was studying, and I felt the presence of the Lord. And I kept studying, reaching out, and all of a sudden, this presence of the Lord filled the room. It was like a thick cloud, just, I mean, heavy. I felt like a blanket had sat down in there. It was so heavy. And I heard the voice of the Lord. And I've heard the voice of the Lord before. 
but this is different. This lights around. Say, man, I mean, just filled the room. And he said, the spirit of prayer that I'm bringing forth at this time has been predestined and foreordained from the foundation of the world to usher in this move of God that I'm bringing forth right now. And when I heard that, at the same time, I heard another voice speaking here. He said, this is the voice of one of the old prophets. That's what I heard. And immediately, I knew, because the Lord had spoken to me in 2014, I was in Calhoun when Brother and Sister Patterson dedicated their new church. I preached a couple of nights there. They asked me to come up. And, and we had gone out to eat. It was me and Lisa. And we'd gone out to eat with Sister Daniels and probably seven, eight, ten of the ministers. When I walked out of the restaurant, I put my hand on the door. The voice of the Lord, this is what it spoke to me. It's in Revelation, the 10th chapter, and the very last verse, which I think is the 11th verse. But this is what the Lord spoke to me. Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. That's what I heard. And I turned and looked at her. I said, Lord, you spoke to me, but I want to go check some scriptures to be sure. And when I got in the motel, started praying and studying this out, the Lord showed me. He said, John never fulfilled this. This never happened in John's life because the Lord spoke this to him. He was on the Isle of Patmos. John never done much ministering after he came off the Isle of Patmos. But the Lord said, the same spirit and the same anointing that was in John, that was in men like Daniel, all these men that I showed them things, and I told them, seal it up. John heard seven thunders utter. He was getting ready to write. The Lord said, don't write it. Seal it up. Daniel had visions. Daniel had a vision of the last days. The Lord said, seal it up. It's for a latter time. In Fort Payne, probably what, 2012, 2013, if y'all remember, the Lord told us. He said, all these visions, all these writings, everything that I've sealed up, he said, I'm going to start loosening the seals. The Lord spoke here about year, year and a half ago and said that the seven seals in Revelations were fixing to be loosed. He said, I'm going to reveal them simultaneously with the seven spirits of God that's in the book of Revelation. I don't know what the seven spirits of God are. I've asked God many times, what are the seven spirits of God? There's a lot of people said they think they know what they are. They wrote them down. But I ain't never felt anything bear witness in my spirit. So there's seven spirits of God. There's seven seals, I believe, in the book of Revelation in chapter 6. And the Lord told me, he said, these are fixing to be revealed. He said, at the same time, I'm going to open the understanding what the seven spirits of God are. But there's mysteries been hid from the foundation of the world. That we don't know what they are. Why? The seal's never been broken. God's beginning to open mysteries now through some of the things I'm teaching and some things God's showing me. People ain't going to receive it. Why? Strange to them. You get outside of people's comfort zone what they believe, they're going to shun you like a plague. And I get shunned because I get in stuff people have no knowledge of. But I'm going to keep telling them because the Lord told me to reveal the kingdom. And he told me, he said, you reveal these mysteries. He said, I'll give you the same mysteries I give the apostles in the early church. He said, I'll give you the mysteries. He said, you reveal them. He said, I'm sending you forth. You're going to plant many churches. Many churches. 
I planted one in Fort Payne. It's still doing good. I plant, planted this one. When I get through here, Lord's going to send me somewhere else. I will plant many churches. But you know what the Lord told me? He said, be careful what you preach. Because what you preach is going to reproduce. When you preach truth, it's going to take root. It's going to reproduce. What I'm preaching is taking root. The devil told me one time, right after the Lord spoke that to me, he said, ain't nobody going to believe what you preach. I thought for just a minute, I said, too late, devil. Somebody already does. So it's taking root in people because God's taking the scales off of our eyes. So on this about the Holy Ghost, there's something, the greatest thing that, that the world's ever seen is fixing to come. Because the Lord told us, and I know I'm giving you a lot of information, but the Lord told us we had a meeting in October of 2017 at the church in Fort Payne. I let people come in, just certain select ministers. Didn't let everybody come because everybody can't receive. But the Lord poured out his spirit on the last night of that meeting. During that meeting, the Lord spoke a prophecy. Uh, I don't think that's on YouTube, is it? Okay. Uh, but anyway, the Lord spoke in that prophecy, how he said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Well, people going to feel it. That don't mean they're going to receive it. He said, but there is a, there is a people of your sons and your daughters that I'm going to pour out my spirit on. And what the Lord said, he said, this is not what people call the Holy Ghost. It is not just some little gift of prophecy or spirit. He said, this will be the spirit of Elijah and the spirit of Moses that I will pour out in these last days. Who stood on Mount Transfiguration with Jesus? You know why they stood on that mount with him? They both had the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19 will tell you that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Sure. Uh-huh. Just they called a tabernacle a little booth like they set up to worship, but Peter was just scared. Bible said then in another version he was afraid, didn't know what he was really what to say. He was just scared. It was the only way he knew how to acknowledge. He wanted to honor and reverence what had happened. That was the only way he could think to yeah, express that. Yeah, that's that's okay. Now, if you look at what the Lord said here in in uh, verse thirty of Joel two. He said, I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillar of smoke. Okay? All right, go with me to Revelation 11. I'm fixing to tie all this together. I didn't plan to go here, but I feel the Spirit of the Lord taking me here. So, And I don't, I don't think I, I might have broke some of this down, but that's all right. It don't hurt to hear it again. Revelation 11, verse 1. Well, let's go to uh, verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. If you reference this back to Zechariah, it talks about the two anointed ones. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. 
So, if any man will precede them, fire proceedeth out of their mouths, okay? And devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. All right. Fire was called down by Elijah to consume his enemies. All right. You go on down. Said these have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Elijah prayed and shut up the heavens that it would not rain. All right. You following with me? And have power over waters to turn them to blood. That was Moses. And to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. That was Moses. So the two anointings that will be in the earth in the last day will be the anointing of Moses and the anointing of Elijah because that's the spirit God's going to pour out on his sons and daughters in these last days. It's the spirit. Yeah, that's why God said, I will pour out of my spirit right. on, on your sons and daughters. It's your sons and daughters that are going to speak these things. It's going to show the signs in the heavens, right. wonders in the earth, blood and fire, vapor, smoke. The Lord don't have to raise anybody from the dead and bring them forward. Right. He just takes that spirit. Right. When he said in the last chapter of Malachi 4, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet. He ain't sending Elijah back. Right. He's sending the spirit of you. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. But he he gonna send them forth in the spirit, so the spirit of Elijah. Right, right. This that people call prophecy. Uh. Uh-uh. There's a big difference between a gift of prophecy and the spirit of prophecy. Right. The spirit of prophecy is like Elijah and Moses. And I had a visitation about this two years ago, right up here in the trailer, and I saw God bring forth an anointing, like was on Moses that killed the. 250 sons of Korah. And matter of fact, there was, there was about 1500 people killed that day. If you go back and trace it down, because, uh, there was the 250 sons of Korah. Well, of course, there was all their sons, their daughters, everything. And then there was another, gosh, I don't know. Uh, it started a plague when they come against Moses and, and I think between all that, the sons of Korah and everything, I think it's like 1,500 people was killed there in like 24 hours. No, he was, uh, he, all these were famous men among the children of Israel. There was him and 250. And, uh, seemed like there was another 750. But anyway, it wound up being about 1,500 people. They got killed in that 24 hours because they spake against Moses. And that, is the authority and dominion of this kingdom that's coming in. People don't believe God's going to move like this again. I do. I fully do. So, uh, this is what God's fixing to pour out. It's not the day of Pentecost, because that's already happened. It's going to be the fullness of God coming in. First, there's got to be a restoring of what happened at Pentecost. That's the day we're in right now. That God is going to bring back in the power, the authority, the government. He's setting up the fivefold ministry like he did in the book of Acts. He's setting it up and all of the helps and governments and diversities of tongues and everything. The Lord told me that what happened on the day of Pentecost, those 120 were not the church. Those 120 were chosen for ministry. And he said, when I poured out my spirit... Everything in 1 Corinthians 12 
from the Ford first down. He said, that's what I poured out. I poured in them the five offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I poured in them healths, governments, diversities of tongues. He said, I put all this in them according to what they were called for because by the time the sun went down that day, there was 3,000 people added to the church that had to be ministered to. You can't minister to them without gifts, without wisdom, without knowledge, without understanding. So God first had to set the government in order in the church, which was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And it wasn't just tongues. It was all of the offices, administrations, gifts, anointings, is everything in First Corinthians twelve twenty four. I mean twelve, starting in verse four through I think it's twenty eight or thirty, goes to be in the. That's what it was. So we have got to have government come back in the church, bring people into a unity. Nobody's in a unity. Everybody's scattered. Everybody's divided. Yeah, and nobody work with anybody. No, because God ain't doing that now. God is doing something brand new and completely different. He's going to bring people into one mind. He's going to bring them into one accord. All right, so uh, in August of 1997, I had a vision. I don't know uh, if y'all heard me tell how that little boy fell off that cliff. Okay. Uh, in August of 97, I was in a tent meeting. In Hammondville, Alabama. Uh, I was staying with mom and daddy. They lived in Fort Payne, about 15 miles up the road. So I was in prayer one night there in the bedroom. And it's like such a heavy sleep fell on me. So I just crawled up there on the bed because I was beside the bed praying. And when I dropped to sleep, I went into a vision. And I saw this huge, I mean huge, just like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. And I saw this. It was just about like my family. Uh I saw mama and three kids. I saw two girls, a boy about six, seven, eight years old, something like that. He'd run around playing, just run around having a good time. And the mama said to him, son, be careful. Don't get close to the edge of that cliff. I don't want you to fall. Don't worry, mama, I'll be okay. Boy, ain't no more said that than the ground broke under his feet. He started just plummeting through the air. That mama screamed, fell on her knees, started screaming out to God, angel of the Lord, this huge angel just swept down, caught him. Brought him back up, set him down at his mama's feet. And the word of the Lord spoke to me. Said, I will give my angels charge over thee, lest at any time thou would dash thy foot against a stone, they will bear thee up in their hands. And when I saw that and heard that, I said, straight up in the bed. Broke myself out of that vision, broke myself out of that deep sleep, and I screamed at God. I said, where is this people? The Lord spoke to me. He said, they're not yet. He said, I will create them, and I will bring them forth. Psalms 102. Y'all get there, let me know. Psalms 102. And we're going to verse 18. 
This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. So the Lord told me, they're not yet, but I'm going to create them and bring them forth. Okay, that was August of 97. Well, in August of last year, the Lord said, reminded me of that vision. He said, it's been 20 years. He said, this people is now in the earth, and they're ready to be brought forth. But see, he said, it's a generation. So it's not just a time period. It's also a people. He said, but I've created them. They're predestined and foreordained according to my purpose. I've created them. And I don't know if some of them were already in the earth. I'm sure they were. But God said, I'm creating them. He says, it's time for them to come forth. So the people in Psalms 91 that the Lord said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You stop and break that down. What does that even mean? Where's the secret place of the Most High? How are you going to abide under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty when he don't have a physical form? What, does the, what do these things mean? And the Lord let you experience that for you to desire to go back there. Yep. But my point is, God has no physical body. 
So what I was saying, these things have to mean something. Okay, you take the scripture where it says you shall abide in the shadow of his wings or you shall abide under the wings of the Almighty. What did Jesus say when he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if I had known us the things that belong unto thee and thy peace, I would have gathered you together as what? Under her wings? You raised in the country? You ever seen chickens? You ever heard that rooster? Make that sound like there's a chicken hawk or something flying over. Yeah. What does that mama do? Takes off running, drops him wings, clucks to them biddies, and here they come, right up under the shadow of them wings, and she hunkers down on a dead run, and all them little chicks gather up under her wings, and she hunkers down, I mean on a dead run, she'll hunker down over them, and get in a place where that hawk can't get to them, and she pulls them up under her wings. And protects them. That is abiding under the wings of the Almighty. That whenever danger, he just conquers down. So God is trying to take us to a place and take us into a realm that no generation has ever walked in. And it's that Psalms 91 people. That nothing, he said, nothing's going to hurt you. Nothing's going to hurt you. It was only about two weeks ago, Sunday morning, I got up early and I sat right here in the camp for praying and I heard the voice of the Lord said, no evil shall befall thee, neither shall any plague come out of thy dwelling. But we've got to get back to that secret place. Yeah. We've got to find that secret place because yeah. it's in that secret place where everything in Psalms 91 is going to happen. Yeah. It ain't going to happen us out here just loose living, doing what we want to, like you said, following your own will. You was in that divine will of God, and you knew that God divinely protected you. The Lord lets us go through these things. When we, how many of us, when we first got saved, God sets us on fire? And what did what did Peter say? Or is it Peter? Uh, no, it's Paul in Hebrews ten thirty two. He said, "When you were first illuminated, when you were first illuminated, you fought. A, you endured a great fight of affliction." But there was something in you because you were illuminated. And we all walked in that realm, that fire, that anointing, that prayer, that working of the Spirit of God that we knew God was with us. But somehow, we managed to walk out from under it. And now the Lord, I, I believe the Lord lets us experience this to pull us back. To pull us back. It is. That's why the Lord cautions us, and that's why Jesus taught us what he taught us. He said, take heed, the cares of life, the pressures, the cares, the the responsibilities. Just life's responsibilities can knock you out. It's a discipline. And, but the Lord let me see that vision. He told me, he said, this people's ready. He said, I've created them. They're now ready to come forth. I don't know how God's going to bring them forth. I don't know what God's made them to do. But I know that people, according to Psalms 91, has been created. And they're ready to be brought forth. And God's going to give us the word and the wisdom to bring them forth. I don't know if what my place in it is, but I know i got a place in it. But I've also come to know and understand 
that everything God does, there's a season. And there's a time to every purpose under the heaven. We are in a season, a chosen season, a chosen generation, and there's a chosen people. Not just a time. There's a, it's both. It's a chosen seed. It's a chosen time. It's both. Some are. Uh, there's some that's never had an experience with God. God's fixing to bring them in. There's some that have had an experience and, and pulled back. They're fixing to come in. And there's some that have walked with God, that God's never taken them into this realm of the Spirit. It's going to be all stages. If you're predestined and foreordained and you're chosen, not everybody's chosen. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, when, when the Lord spoke to Ananias about Saul after God had knocked him off that donkey uh, on the road to Damascus, and he told him, he said, you go pray for him. He said, I've heard about that man. He said, you go pray for him. He said, he is a chosen vessel. And I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Everybody's not chosen. But there's a chosen. That's the elect of God. Everybody's not the elect. There's an elect of God that God is bringing forth at this time that he's starting to put things in order. And those that are out there that he's allowing things to happen, to turn them to him and to bring them to him. And there's people out there don't have no idea. And there's people out there like us. We've been raised around it, raised in it. The Lord's going to bring us in. And if God has to, he'll do us just like David. David said, before I went astray, he said, God afflicted me. So the Lord ain't going to let you get so far out of line. And he got a purpose for you. He's going to start afflicting you and bring you in. But the thing is, he's only going to do it so long. If you don't come in, he'll cut you loose. Let you go do your own thing. God ain't going to force you. He'll, 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 he'll do his best to bring you. If you don't, he'll raise up somebody to put in your place. Yeah. Oh, they can. And, uh, I got to say to mine one time, God had to get a hold of me. Okay, there's one more scripture I want to bring in that's in Isaiah okay. chapter 53. Lord, me, this been good. It has been. It's been a lot today. It's been rich. It has been. <laughs> Reminds me of that song we used to sing when I was going to church. Come and dine. You ever heard that song, Come and Dine? Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. To the hungry he calleth now, come and dine. Isaiah 53. And I am going to verse... Eight. 
he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? Now, I've heard it taught ever since I've been saved. That's 47 years now. We're on 48 or something like that. <laughs> I've lost track. But that there were supposed to be seven years that Jesus was supposed to minister. He was cut off in the middle of it. I don't know if y'all ever heard this or not, but it's it's common church teaching in a lot of places. But because of that, there's only like three to three and a half years left of a Jesus ministry in the earth. When the Lord spoke this scripture to me, and I can't even tell you what year, but it's been a long time. But he said he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? A generation is a period of 30 to 40 years. So the Lord told me there is a period of 30 to 40 years that a people will be brought forth to come forth and minister on this earth in the ministry of Jesus as he was when he walked as the Son of Man. So somebody's going to declare this Jesus generation. Ain't no three and a half years. Might be 33 and a half. But there's a, there's a lot of souls out there to win. There's a lot of people to be helped. And we fix and go forth in that ministry of the Son of Man. That's what this latter reign of the Holy Ghost is. That's why we're going to be able to do greater works than what he done. Because he went to the Father. And what he sends back in these last days is going to be the fullness of his spirit. Not just an earnest. Not just a measure. Not just moderately. He's going to give us the whole thing. Because we are heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. And a joint heir means you're equal. It means an equal heir. Nope. Once he was resurrected, Jesus never came back to the earth and ministered like he did before his crucifixion. So now his spirit yeah. Because I go to my Father. But yes. That's that's why Paul wrote in Philippians 3 and 10. said, I want to know him. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. But I also want to know him in the power of his resurrection. No generation's ever had it. Yes. Now this is a this is a lot of word. But most of most of what we discussed is in the scriptures. Today. liked it when I was talking to Sister LaBrisca about two weeks ago. Called her to pray for her. She, she wanted me to call her to pray for her. She said she's asking the Lord for my spirit of prayer. Tell him what the Lord told you.
But that's that's good understanding. That is very good. That's right. Because the Lord has a call tailored to you. And there's nothing wrong with coveting and desiring what you see and what you see manifest, but the Lord's got this tailored for you. It doesn't you know it doesn't mean you will or will not have to go through the, through some of the things I've gone through. If you're a chosen vessel, you're going to suffer. You can rest assured that you're going to suffer. And it was appointed unto him. When it says, I think it's in Thessalonians, it's appointed unto you. So his sufferings were appointed unto him to make him. But you can assure, you can rest assured that the things he has for you, though, yeah. your sufferings. <laughs> I think since you know. we've been coming to this church, putting on your word, I think the devil's tried to kill you twice. Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah. Getting in that secret place. <laughs> and there's there's nothing wrong with having that respect and that reverence. But, it, but yeah. it's a, and, uh, what Brother John was saying, there's a really is a good lesson though for each one of us. There's yeah. that's why there should be no jealousy in the body of Christ. Yeah. Look at Paul, but look what it cost Paul. And people, you know, they he says, follow me as I follow Christ, but they talk about all no. his things, but it cost him, and that's what he was appointed to. And so there should never be jealousy in the body of Christ. Uh, no. We should aspire. Just what you, he put in your spirit was, I, I only want to be what you called me to be, yeah. and I don't want to go beyond that, and I don't want to covet something that wasn't appointed <laughs> unto me. Yeah, but that's, isn't that a good lesson, though? Yeah, it was because a good lesson. It is. Well, I mean, because you see, you know, people like my mother and people like Brother John and yes. the different ones that you know stood in the balance, stood against right. the enemy, stood in that place, you know, um, in, the, in all that strong place of God. You know, but my mother knows about my life. My mother knows probably more than what I would want her to know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, my mother knows. Yeah, you know, you know. See every everything that the Lord has appointed to me to deal with and go through is to minister into y'all's lives. To to minister strength and wisdom and understanding into y'all's lives. No. But we'll be looking at one another like, oh my God. 
But, but see, I've got, I've got pastors and different ministers that go through things and I can talk to them on a one-on-one basis because I've been there. I've been through the heartache. I've been through the suffering. I've been through the physical suffering. I've been through the spiritual warfare. It ain't something that I talk about a lot and I don't think I brought it out here. I mean, some of the people here know it. But when I was in the hospital, like now with diabetes, I had a demon walk in my room, stood beside the bed. And the Lord let me see it. But see, uh, and I told her, it was about, I was in what, five days in the hospital? And I was, two of them just about, I didn't even know where I was. Because my blood sugar was so high. It was, what, over a thousand? And my A1C was over 14. The doctor told her, he said, I want to see how he's even alive. And I was still on my feet. Yeah. That's what he said. He said he ought to be dead or in diabetic coma. Well, right after she took me to the hospital, I mean, I went out. And they put me in ICU. But while I was in ICU, I was there five days. And three days into that, a demon walked in and stood beside me. And I've never told very many people what happened. But when I come out of it and I come home, and I knew God had allowed it. I mean, we knew it, but I was sore. <laughs> huh? I said sometimes that, that's bittersweet to know yeah. God allowed the suffering. But I was sore inside. And about probably a week, 10 days after I got home, I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, I don't know where I've been. Don't know what's happened. Don't know what's what's been done. I said, but I've wrestled some demons somewhere. And that scripture come to me where Paul said, I fought with the beast at Ephesus. Paul wasn't talking about natural beast. And I told her, I said, somewhere God will reveal this to me. I said, because I fought some demons somewhere. And I said, the spirit of God has prevailed. But see, when that, when that demon walked in my room, it stood there a few minutes, but then it turned and left. And the Lord told me, said, it's been withstood. He didn't say it had been defeated. He said, because that thing was cocky. I saw it. I saw that cockiness on it. But it had to leave because it had been withstood. And the Lord said, that demon's been withstood. He said, it'll come back. But it's been withstood for this time. Because the Lord stood up and fought for us. But don't ever think without a relationship with God, the devil's afraid of you. He ain't afraid of your little old tongues. If you ain't in that relationship with God, and you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. Devil ain't afraid of you. Devil ain't afraid of you. But man, this one was muscular. It was stout. And it was strong. And that's what the Lord let me see, a strong spirit. Perfecting. But here's the thing about perfecting holiness. They, you've heard the old saying, "Practice makes perfect." Not if you practice it wrong. If you practice it wrong, it's going to be perfectly wrong. Yeah. You got to do it right. So if 
you're going to perfect holiness, and that's what the Lord told me. If you're perfecting holiness, you're practicing to live by my word. So that is right. You practice to live by his word because that's how we get there. So, but we don't want to do it wrong either. You got to do it right. Well, you got to practice it right. If you practice it wrong, it's going to be perfectly wrong. So, this is why the Lord told me to start teaching yeah. people's had plenty of preaching yeah. they've been sung to they've been shouted they've talked in tongues they've danced they've run well they've had all the outward they've had all the outward but you don't live for God on what you feel outward. It's got to be something in you that stands up in you and gets you on the right foundation, gets you principled and disciplined. Just like you said, you won't stay. You ain't got nothing to keep you. So this has been good. I appreciate the Lord for this. Let's ask God to bless this word. Father, we thank you for this, Lord. God, take this word, Lord, and that's what I was praying before service. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the Spirit is speaking under the church. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Donald, step up there.